Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I want to continue and expand on the conversation around dairy, around raw dairy, Um, And today we're going to get into dairy sensitivities. How do you overcome those? What are some root causes? And I'm going to talk about um, dairy and estrogen because a lot of people are told that dairy creates um, an estrogen and beef. Beef and and dairy products create a uh, estrogen dominance in the body. And um, this is totally inaccurate, so I'm going to help you dissolve these myths. We're going to get clearer as to what are some root causes of these things, like what are root causes to dairy sensitivities, what are some root causes to estrogen dominance in the body, um, how do you work with that, and what are some actual, real, helpful, insightful solutions that you can apply to your own life to really start to get to the root of this because dairy is this really nourishing, beautiful food provided to us by nature. And um, there is a a lot of health and nutritional support and properties that we can get when we eat dairy. But of course, we don't want to consume it if we have sensitivities to this food and that goes for any food in general if somebody says a food is amazing and you should eat it and you eat it and then you like develop symptoms it's usually usually (laughs) not the food that's the issue it's something in your body that is unable to process that food especially when it's a natural food you know like something like raw milk um I mean, your body should reject a Big Mac, let's be real, but raw milk, it shouldn't. And so we're gonna, I'm going to talk about how you can, can navigate this a little bit more to help bring this really truly nourishing food back into your diet if, you, um, if this has been on your list. It's, if it's been something you've been working on, trying to heal with no real results, I'm going to talk about this today to help you gain a better understanding here. Um, So I'll also say that um, in the previous episode, I talked about raw milk and dairy products. I talked about pasteurization. Um, I talked about E. coli and the E. coli scam because, you know, now today it's it's so common that we see spinach recalled because it had E. coli and strawberries recalled because they had E. coli. And while, you know, we want to use, you know, safe food handling processes, Processes, you know, that doesn't mean triple washing things in chlorine. Um, but there's a lot behind these claims that 
may or and from my perspective often may not be actually accurate and there's a lot of money behind these um these e coli scares that we're seeing more and more pop up um in the news today so i talk about that in the previous episode and how raw milk came to be pasteurized um why this is a bad idea and um so if you want to learn more about that i would invite you to take a listen to the previous episode as well so um let's dive into this topic a little bit more around dairy food sensitivities dairy sensitivities um so many people after they eat dairy and it's becoming more and more common today that um They literally develop some kind of symptom as a result, whether that's eczema or a runny nose or they get more snotty or congested or they have diarrhea or constipation. You know, these are kind of the hallmark um, signs that somebody may have a dairy intolerance, you know, and, uh, and obviously these symptoms would develop after, pretty immediately after you've eaten dairy. But I also just want to bring to your attention that let's say you suspect you're allergic or sensitive to dairy and you Google like, hey, what are dairy sensitivity symptoms? And um, all these symptoms pop up except for, you know, the one you're experiencing. And you're like, ah, I probably don't have a dairy sensitivity then. Your body is ingenious. And if you put something into your body and soon after develop a symptom, for some reason, your body wasn't ready to um, assimilate, process that food. And it will, and you'll develop a symptom um, as a result. So even if Google doesn't come up with that symptom for you when you search for it, but you have it, like let's say you get knee pain after you eat dairy, absolutely could be a result of that. So I want to bring that up because a lot of people Google their symptoms. It's so incredibly um, unhelpful in a lot of situations. It causes a lot of stress in people. They think they're coming down with some um, disease that they're going to die from any second after they Google something. And it causes a lot of stress and it's usually just incredibly inaccurate. Um, So I just want you to be um, aware of your body's own symptoms, how it responds to foods, uh, and your body's ingenious no matter what Google says. I would highly encourage you to pay attention to to what your body is saying. Um, So let's see. Um, We're told today just point blank in general avoid dairy really bad idea right it's inflammatory it causes hormonal imbalance Um, it should only be consumed by the animal that its milk was designed to feed it causes estrogen dominance literally um, there's all sorts of nonsense out there that we're told about dairy And so most people are just like, okay, forget it. I'm just not going to eat this. I hear so many bad things about it. And one reason we hear so many bad things about it is because there's so much bad dairy out there, meaning dairy that is, or beef that have been raised or cultivated um, 
from animals in a feedlot confinement center. It's like, yeah, that's totally unnatural. That's really bad for us. And it will cause you to not feel well. And it can cause all of these things. So we've kind of just thrown dairy into all dairy into feedlot confinement dairy and then put it under this one blanket term and so then everybody thinks it's healthy to avoid dairy. So they've convinced us that milk um, and dairy products and beef is bad and dangerous and inflammatory and, and destroys our hormones and that actually um, milk from a nut like almonds is... Um, better for us and this is like with all this sugar added and seed oils and synthetic vitamins it's um it's really backwards so um I am as you can tell <laughs> I'm not a fan of milk made from a nut coconut totally different okay it's actually you know this is a real thing, but let's take an almond and turn it into to milk and add all these things. Like, absolutely not. So, um, not not a good health practice there. Not a f- if I always say to people, if you really want to know if a food is quote unquote healthy or good for you or not, one rule of thumb. There's a few, but one rule of thumb is: Did your ancient ancestors eat that food? You think they took almonds and then put it in their Vitamix and added water and then drank this thing of almond milk? The hell they did. <laughs> they they didn't even have enough almonds to make that. And so, you know, we make these decisions to um, you know, quote unquote support our health because we we miss a food that we're told is unhealthy. And let me say that in a, in a way that's you know, clearer. <laughs> um, so we're told that milk, is, raw milk is dangerous and bad and inflammatory and, and messes with our hormones, right? And so avoid that, but instead drink like all of these nuts, which our ancient ancestors never consumed a whole boatload of nuts or seeds in one sitting. Um, we have endless amounts available to us today. And, you know, add all of these things to make that milk palatable. And why? Because we literally, we miss milk. If you miss milk, we have to find ways to get milk back into your diet. Or if you miss beef, or if you miss cultured dairy products, right? If you miss cheese, we have to find ways to get this back into your diet. Because these are real foods with nutrients that don't have to be added, nothing has to be taken away, we don't have to to skim the fat off the top, we don't have to add vitamin D or, you know, synthetic B vitamins to the milk in order to make up for all of the processing um, that caused the nutritional deficiencies in the first place. So just when you're considering like, hey, is this food a... a could this be a good choice for me or not? One question that I encourage people to ask themselves is, would my ancient ancestors eat this? And ancient ancestors, let's just say 1800s and prior. So I don't think they were drinking almond milk, but raw milk, 100%, absolutely. Um, 
All right, let's talk about estrogen dominance in dairy. This is a common question that I see in um, alternative cancer groups. Um, I've I've left most of those like social media groups because the information that's passed around on most social media groups is um uh how do i say this in a nice way it's unhelpful um so uh but i'll i i want to why i'm bringing this up is because a lot of people i'm in a lot of like breast cancer support groups and and so forth because i work with a lot of people who have breast cancer or another estrogen related cancer you know, cancer of the liver, pancreas, um, colon, these all are, you know, what's, they're considered estrogen-related cancers. So something that comes up very frequently on these groups is avoid dairy, it causes estrogen dominance, and it's really, this is, this is it. This is going to be the thing that gets you, the raw dairy, right? Like forget the tamoxifen that they're on or, you know, all the seed oils that's that's being promoted on these groups or the raw, you know, nuts and seeds. It's the raw dairy that's really going to get you. <laughs> so, you know, often we just have to use common sense, but our common sense has really um, been messed with over the past, I don't know, you know, 10, 20 years with more and more information that's becoming available. Uh, it's, be- it's becoming, um, a bit more, uh, how do I, how do I say this? Um, confusing or we don't, we don't know what to, what to believe. We don't know what's true anymore. And again, I go back to this question would your ancient ancestors do it point blank um so let's see what actually could be a little bit more helpful approach to this estrogen dominance issue and when um to to do this we have to look at um okay what are some root causes of estrogen dominance meaning there's too much estrogen in the body your body can't get rid of it the liver can't process it it can't be recycled and so it's starting to build up and cause issues okay so what are some root causes of estrogen dominance okay let's go from you know the get-go here if you weren't breastfed that's a number one. Your hormones are going to be a little bit more compromised. Your gut microbiome and there's certain bacteria in your gut that actually encourage and help facilitate and synthesize hormones. This is going to be compromised right from the get-go. So there's number one. We can work with this, okay? But that's number one. Um, Formula-fed um, infants and kids... Dear God in heaven, um, you know, there's some really good, better alternatives today. If you literally cannot breastfeed, there are some really good alternatives. Um, there's breast milk banks. There's ways to make your own homemade infant formula. And um, all of which are going to be much healthier choices for your kid 
than infant formula. There's zero commercial infant formulas that I'm on board with. Negative zero. So number one, if you weren't breastfed. Okay, we can work with that. We can help to to replenish your hormones and your gut bacteria that create hormones. But this is number one, okay? All these things, mind you, are work are workable. Number two, um, contraceptives. If you've taken any kind of contraceptives, this is going to mess with your body's hormone production. It's even said that people who are on contraceptives actually don't have a real, true period. Um, it's just like, it's this different kind of shedding that goes on, and I'm not 100% um, certain about this process, and I haven't looked into that that much, but I wanted to bring it up in case, hey, somebody's listening, and you are into looking into that more. But I've definitely heard this from intelligent people, informed people. So contraceptives, 100% is a huge, huge um, cause of estrogen dominance, hormone imbalance, and it doesn't matter if you use contraceptives um, yesterday and quit today, or if you use contraceptives 30 years ago, and you know today you still have estrogen dom- dominance, it will still remain, okay? So we have to, you know, start to clear the contraceptives and how they acted on the body in order to really rectify this issue. And I'm going to talk about how to do these things. Antibiotics, they mess with the gut flora, of course. They mess with the mitochondria. Both of these things have very influential roles on our um, steroid hormone production. Prescription drugs, These can be really hard on the liver, and then in turn, the liver plays a huge role in hormone development. Um, It plays a key role in um, LDL, and if we are going to convert that into steroid hormones, if you even have enough LDL to convert it into steroid hormones. There's a whole topic in itself... um, with regard to LDL, we're told to, you know, every, you know, few years, oh, this, it's the bar's lower, lower. You know, when we started with LDL cholesterol, I literally think it was, if you were over, it was like 360, and this is U.S. measurements. If, if you were over, if you were over 360 U.S. measurements, that was considered high. This was, I think, in 1980, in the 1980s. Today, the bar is, we're down to 100. If you're over 100 U.S. measurements, you're high. This is absolutely insane. People have high cholesterol because the numbers, the bar uh, that we set determines this. That's the only reason somebody has high cholesterol is because the measurements we've made up um, you know, you're either, you're, if you're above those numbers, then you have high cholesterol. I have almost practically zero issues with high cholesterol because if you have a significant amount of LDL cholesterol, it tells me that your body's healing, your immune system's working, and it tells me you have, um, LDL cholesterol there that is needed to make steroid hormones. 
I have issues when LDL cholesterol is below 200 and the more it's it's below 200 the more I am concerned about your hormone health because literally the cholesterol is not there that is needed to help make steroid hormones. I'm not even going to go down that path today but I just wanted to mention that. So if you weren't breastfed a lot of antibiotics, um, repetitive antibiotics, contraceptives, prescription drugs, sunlight deficiency, okay? If you're not getting enough sunlight, the hormones are going to suffer because um, vitamin A gets activated in sunlight to help produce hormones. Vitamin D um, helps to produce hormones. The cholesterol in our skin, when sunlight hits it, helps to produce hormones. So, um of course, we're told to avoid sunlight, right? But um, sunlight, if you're not getting enough sunlight, um, your hormones will struggle as a result. Um, vaccinations, and in this case, um, I'm sure all vaccinations have a, a significant impact on our hormones, but vaccines that are specifically targeted to the reproductive organs like the HPV um, total, I, I can't even believe the, the things that people are allowed to do and inject into people's bodies, but the HPV vaccine, I've seen it cause um, some significant hormonal um, imbalances in people. Okay, also, if you're eating a diet, I think this one is more well-known today about estrogen and estrogen dominance. But if you're eating a diet that um, contains animal products, okay, good so far. <laughs> Takes a turn, however, when we um, eat animals, consume their milk when they've been you know, raised in feedlot confinements and fed soy and GM, other GMO grains and antibiotics and, um, you know, their diet is just atrocious. This will definitely contribute to a lot of issues in the body and it can contribute to hormonal issues in the body. So like, let's say, for example, you have yourself or a kid who drinks a lot of milk because, you know, they're told to drink a, a lot of milk not just not this kind of milk, right? But these sort of things, if you're consuming a lot of these products, um, you know, chickens are some of the most, I know we're talking a lot about cattle and beef, but chickens, especially conventional chicken or turkey, these are not foods I would ever recommend eating. They're literally, um, what happens is these animals are raised in very cheap ways, cheap feed, and, you know, a lot of soy, a lot of GMOs, and this is what their tissues end up being made of. Not only that, uh, a lot of um, chicken operations, you know, this more of uh, feedlot style. <clears throat> First of all, chickens are just crammed into this tiny space. They never see light, but what they always see are these huge blasting LED lights. And um, so this makes the uh the this messes up the chicken's hormones big time they always think it's daytime 
And so if they always think it's daytime, they're constantly going to be eating, right? This is their goal of the the farmer, the quote unquote farmer's goal. And so um, here's your chicken. And this thing could be, I'm going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat things here. This could be an organic chicken. Organic chickens do not need to go outside. Just point blank. Okay, they don't. You can just feed them organic feed and put them in a confinement, you know, confined area with uh, hundred hundreds of other chickens and keep the LED lights blasting on them until they reach maturity and you have your organic chicken. Um, so this is why I'm really, really big on pasture raised buy it from a farmer who you know what the deal is, how they raise their animals. It's a big deal. These things are going to have a big impact on your health because the tissue quality of these animals and the fat quality of these animals is going to be significantly compromised and it's going to impact your health as a result as well. So those are some of the root causes of that drives estrogen imbalance. Um, let's see if there's anything else I wanted to say about that before we move on. Um, so, this is kind of how you can scale. Oh, is is beef a good idea? Uh, is is you know milk a good idea? I mean, and this is basic stuff. I feel like most people, you know, we have this under our belt. Don't eat the confinement stuff. Don't eat the feedlot stuff. But also, like, we need to pay attention to organic because I'm going to say the standards are not good. Um, Go pasture-raised. Know your farmer. And this is like, oh, my God, what an effort. You know, it te- it does. It takes a lot more effort today to make healthy, informed choices. You know, they, they set it up that way. They The system sets it up. It's like, oh, it's easy. Just come here and get your stuff and go through the, the self-checkout line. And, you know, they make it really easy for us to eat bad food. I mean, way easy. Uh, but to eat healthy and to eat good food and to make informed choices around your food and your body, it takes a lot more effort. So, yeah, it is going to take a little bit more effort. You're going to have to go to your farmer's market or raise your own, you know, animals, whatever your preference is. But the effort is absolutely worth it when it comes to your health, to your well-being, to supporting the planet, to supporting the environment. It's super, super worth it. Uh, okay, so, uh, let's see. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about dairy and estrogen issues. Um, I always make little notes here and I just want to make sure I cover all the bases because I'm somebody who can get on to a topic and then like, I'll be in a completely different direction because my brain will be inspired to go down uh, the rabbit hole. Okay, so let's talk about dairy and estrogen a little bit because, you know, we talk about dairy and, uh, excuse me, estrogen and beef and, you know, people in the breast cancer groups or just who have breast cancer in in general or some sort of estrogen issue, they'll often avoid beef and dairy because we've been lied to and misled and misguided around, you know, 
the accuracy around that statement. So the dairy our ancient ancestors knew of and they consumed, um, you know, they didn't question it. They weren't like, oh my gosh, should I really boil this raw milk? No. So they didn't question it. They had raw dairy. They cultured dairy, you know, and it wasn't cultured from these powdered probiotics like we find in stores today. So another reason why you might be sensitive to dairy is because of the synthetic probiotics that many people use today to culture their dairy products. And this is more so done on a larger commercial scale. And this is another, just another reason why I encourage people to learn how to milk a goat, get your own, be part of a dairy share, get your dairy from a farmer's market, because um, it's, it's going to be a far different product. Now, milk I'll mention this. Milk contains its own set of beneficial bacteria. Um, and this includes our human, human mother's milk. You know, breast milk, it contains lactobacillus and other bifidobacteria. Um, and raw milk contains its own set of, of lactobacillus and bifidobacteria. It's this natural source of beneficial bacteria. And as we culture that bacteria, as it sits out for, you know, several days, then these bacteria strains begin to build. This We get things like buttermilk, we get things like creme fraiche, right? We get things like yogurt. And um, these are not going to be, these aren't going to create estrogen issues. Drinking the milk in this way, in this pure state, eating the cultured dairy in this pure state isn't going to cause estrogen issues. However, let's say that there's estrogen issues already present, okay? There's already in place. Maybe you have had a breast cancer diagnosis. Maybe you've had a PCOS diagnosis, right? These estrogen-related issues, so um, these things were all present before the consumption of dairy, okay? They always are. They always are. Your consumption of dairy or your consumption of beef didn't create estrogen imbalances. Unless you dr- drank boatloads of conventional milk, then, okay, maybe that did contribute to the issue. But there are other stronger issues, stronger causes, stronger driving factors that um, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode with regard to contraceptives, with regard to antibiotics, um, these things, with regard to vaccinations and HPV vaccination. These things are going to be much bigger driving causes, root causes of estrogen imbalance issues, Okay. So, um, discontinuing, let's say you already have a pre-existing estrogen dominance issue, okay? Stopping the dairy and the beef, unless it's conventional. So I should say, I should make this more accurate. Stopping the raw dairy, the pastured dairy, the pastured cultured dairy, and the grass-fed beef isn't going to improve the estrogen metabolism. And... This is where we get confused because most people just stop it in in general, but our body literally needs those fats and those nutrients in those foods in order to support hormone health. It's not just estrogen that these foods support. It supports all steroid hormones. 
So if these issues are already in place, this is where we use practices like the Sunlight RX. And um, if you're a new listener, um, you can hop over to my site, heathershepherd.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. I hate spelling my name out every time, but my dad named me with it. He's like, I was born. Oh, let's put an A-R at the, A-R at the end of her name. And I'm like, cool, I like being unique. That's really awesome. But it's hard. <laughs> it, it presents its challenges, let me just say. So anyway, um, this is where we use things like sunlight therapy. You can go over to my site and get a copy of the Sunlight RX. Just scroll down the home page. There'll be um, a, a part, where, a little space where you can get a copy of the Sunlight RX. And this is a four-step protocol that I wrote to heal my TBI and then realized when I implemented the Sunlight RX with my other clients at the time um, that they had, they were starting to, their hormones were, health were, were improving, their autoimmune conditions were, were improving, their gut health was improving. And so I said, oh my gosh, I need to get this out to people because um, these improvements are, are too drastic not to, to share with people. And this is free medicine. It's basically free. It's sunlight, right? And you don't have to live in the tropics to do the Sunlight RX. You can live in London and like tell them to stop spraying the sky, but you can live, you know, no matter where you live, sunlight is going to come out. So, you know, if there's an estrogen metabolism issue in place, do things like the Sunlight RX. And actually, somebody asked me a good question because I know many of the listeners actually practice the Sunlight RX. They have a copy of the ebook, and so, um, and one of my students actually asked me this the other day. And I want to clarify here: the Sunlight RX is set up in that book for the late spring through summer through early fall months. And if you focus your Sunlight RX on those months using those steps that I outlined in the Sunlight RX your health will um, experience a massive upgrade as a result, including your hormone health. So sunlight therapy is known to improve steroid hormone levels, to balance them out. Um, When you're in sunlight, your body naturally produces um, a balanced level of of steroid hormones. And it helps to improve glucose metabolism also. Sunlight depletes glucose from the liver and oftentimes people who struggle with estrogen metabolism also have blood sugar issues as well. So this is like two birds with one stone if you just, you know, learn how to go outside and and use the sun as a therapeutic modality. Um, Another modality that I use to help balance hormones is homeopathy. And this practice in particular, um, the way I use it is if somebody has a drastic um, imbalance in a certain hormone or a certain gland, we can really target that area through homeopathy. But I also use homeopathy to help remove, to help chip away at these root causes of estrogen dominance, the antibiotics, the contraceptives, uh, the statins, um, the HPV, uh, you know, and I use this modality because I haven't found another modality as effective as homeopathy to help do this, to help clear these issues. And so, um, you know, now we're getting into some of the nuts and bolts as to what can really change the organism. You see, because we throw all of these 
um, suggestions, you know, we look into these things. It's like, you know, just omit this food or eat chia seeds or drink this green smoothie. And it's like, we're not really getting to the heart of things, right? We need to use modalities to get to the heart of things in order to make significant improvement. Otherwise, we're just like, you know, blending up green smoothies with spinach and our mind and our psyche thinks we're doing something great, but that's not going to last very long because it's actually not getting to the root. Um, so sunlight therapy, homeopathy for multiple reasons, um, these things are going to start rebalancing the hormones. Your body's going to learn how to recycle estrogen again. It's going to learn how to metabolize estrogen in again and create a balance of you know other steroid hormones as well so if you have an estrogen related condition breast cancer colon cancer liver cancer pancreatic cancer pcos um it's not the food typically in and like i said unless you're drinking just like gallons of conventional milk and slab after slab of um feedlot beef it's not the food, it's the past suppressive therapies that are are causing the issues right from the root and that we need to start removing these to, you know, this is going to sound a little intense, but to remove the chokehold that, you know, those suppressive therapies have on your immune system and your hormone production. Um, so, no, dairy... Um, meaning raw, grass-fed, cultured grass-fed, um, grass-fed beef. These things are not at the heart of the estrogen issue. Um, in fact, it can be an incredibly important food and foods to help bring back the hormones back into balance um, because of their rich source of fat-soluble vitamins that play a crucial role in hormone synthesis. Anybody out there who has a hormone, a compromised hormone panel and goes vegan or vegetarian or avoids animal products or fat, you're doing your body a disservice because these are nature's natural sources of vitamins A, D, and cholesterol. And these are all nutrients we need in whole food form, you know, not from a piece of soy or, or nut milk that's been synthesized, your body can't deal with that. There's, those aren't bioavailable, meaning your body cannot use the, the nutrients or the proteins in those foods. We need real foods um, in order to help heal the hormones. Okay, let's shift gears here and talk about how to deal with dairy sensitivities and why they occur in the first place. So I mentioned a little bit of this, but let's just kind of go back to day one. When you're born vaginally, you are literally showered in your mother's flora. Okay, A plus number one. We're starting off here with a the big source of, of beneficial bacteria to you. Then here you go, you are... Um, Put on the nipple, you're breastfed, and you get flora here as well. And um, there's this pathway called the enteromammary pathway that when the child goes on the breast to breastfeed, this pathway is stimulated that literally 
facilitates beneficial bacteria from the gut to the nipple to the the glands around the nipple and um and the kid gets a a whopping source of beneficial bacteria that's freaking ingenious right there so like here's how we're getting our beneficial bacteria stores from day one you know hopefully to year one or two now um you know, breast milk is particularly rich in lactobacillus. You also have other bacteria. You have things like uh, other proteins like casein and whey, and you have lactose, which is milk sugar. You have all these components of milk, which is also components of um, cow milk, goat milk, sheep milk. I guess you could throw in camel milk or water buffalo. You know, there's all components of milk. And these bacteria in milk are actually designed to accomplish many things, you know, and I'm particularly focusing on lactobacillus, bifidobacteria. Um, These bacteria in milk, um, they do a lot of really uh, beneficial things to the body. It's not just like you have beneficial gut bacteria and you're going to poop well. No, if you have a lot of good gut, healthy, healthy gut flora, your immune system is going to be solid. Your blood sugar is going to be balanced. A lot of the bugs in our gut, the beneficial bugs, help to balance blood sugar levels, help to make sure that we maintain a healthy weight, help to produce hormones. They act as um, antioxidants, kicking out pathogens and you know substances that shouldn't be there that are detrimental to the body. And they're also in place to help you absorb and assimilate milk and other foods. So people who aren't breastfed, they struggle more. They often struggle more with dairy because their gut was not initially seeded with the foundational bacteria that's needed to digest, absorb, assimilate milk and dairy. So that's number one. If you're listening to that and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm effed. I wasn't breastfed. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you know you can do to help work on this because many people who were breastfed um they they can still struggle with dairy intolerance this doesn't mean oh I was breastfed and I'm not and I don't have it that means I don't have it no there this this could be true why here's why we're told that 70% of the immune system is located in the gut. I know they like to make up like fancy catchy phrases like that. This number may or may not be fully accurate. It could be a little bit lower. It actually could be higher. But what it's actually referring to and the importance of this and how we can understand it and put it into usable form is that the GI tract is lined with a mucosa that contains lymph. This is known as the GALT, gut-associated lymph tissue. Okay, now there are multitudes of immune cells within the GALT. So... Most people also go along with the catchy phrase that all disease begins in the gut. And this isn't entirely accurate. So let's say you're breastfed, right? But then um, you get into, you know, you get sick, you get a cold, you get vaccinated as a kid. Um, What do vaccines do? They suppress the immune system. That's how they act. They suppress you from having symptoms, from having acute, acute symptoms, okay? So 
that's number one. So they suppress the immune system. They prevent your body from having an immune response. Where do we know um, a, a lot of, a majority, a lot, a bulk of the immune system is contained in the gut? So just by getting vaccinated, you're um, compromising the integrity of your gut and its ability to have an immune response to keep invaders out, to keep beneficial bacteria in, to build beneficial bacteria colonies, to not become porous and leaky. So just by being vaccinated, you're setting yourself up for dairy intolerances, food intolerances, um, food sensitivities, etc., um, and then we have things like antibiotics, which, yeah, they can wipe out some of a pathogenic bacteria. Many of them don't even do that, and not fully, at least. There's always some that stick around, but they wipe out the good and the bad. So um, not only are your beneficial bacteria, or excuse me, the pathogen, you know, removed, at least in part, but so are your beneficial bacteria, right? We all know this. But um, antibiotics kill bacteria. So they don't just kill the bacteria in your gut, but think about your body is chock full of mitochondria, which is a type of bacteria. Antibiotics completely destroy mitochondrial function as well. All of these things, um, and they're immunosuppressive. So all of these things, um, lead to poor gut health. They lead to food sensitivities, to histamine response, to dairy intolerances. And these are the number of reasons why people struggle with food intolerances. So if we want to patch our leaky guts and improve the, our ability to digest literally any food, not just dairy, then we need to start here. We need to start at these root places. And as I mentioned, and, you know, um, we have to get therapies into and substances into our body that support healing. Homeopathy, sunlight, a truly ancestral diet. Um, this is going to help us get to the root of these really, really um, uncomfortable, annoying issues that many people struggle with today. Okay, I want to end the episode today by talking about sunlight and the gut microbiome because most people are unaware of this connection. It's a primordial connection. It's another ingenious connection between nature and human physiology that allows us to thrive, allows us to activate, um, it, it allows us to be healthy and thriving. There's a lot of examples of this in the body. And you know, just quickly, for example, vitamin D is one of them. And, you know, for if, if you haven't listened to the vitamin D supplementation episode, I think it's like uh, maybe four episodes back or so, you know, right around there. But, um, you know, we're taught that we build our vitamin D stores in sunlight and we do. We build the storage form of vitamin D in sunlight. But we also have another form of vitamin D. We have several forms, several, several, several. Um, but another form of vitamin D called active vitamin D, this um, is the type of vitamin D that receives all the accolades with regard to immune function and fighting off pathogens and, you know, etc. It is not dependent on sunlight. The body will produce it as it's needed. 
So why I'm mentioning this is because there are just several, several ingenious connections between nature and our human physiology that allows us to thrive. And sunlight and the gut microbiome is literally a big one that I feel needs a lot more attention than it's getting today. So I'm sure most people have heard of the gut-brain axis and, um, you know, we know that as to what's going on in our brains and guts gets transmitted along this axis known as the vagus nerve. So if somebody has a lot of pathogens or co-infections in their gut or, you know, a condition like C. diff, I treat a lot of C. diff in my practice, um, but it'll cause issues, you know, the other way, these issues will be, you know, generated between the vagus nerve. So if the gut's off, then the brain's going to become foggy, it's going to be anxious, it's going to be depressed, you're going to have headaches, you know, these sort of things. So we know this connection between the brain-gut axis and how it influences one another. But we haven't yet acknowledged what makes this axis function at optimal performance. And that a big, big thing here is sunlight in our light environment. So sunlight, when sunlight hits your eyes, enters your eyes, um, this is why I, I teach people, you're doing the sunlight RX, it's not going to work if you're wearing sunglasses. Sunglasses are like, they, they belong in the trash. They're really detrimental to health, to hormone production, to the gut microbiome. So sunlight, the sunlight that hits your eyes, stimulates the activation of certain neurochemicals such as serotonin, dopamine, melatonin. Yes, melatonin is produced in UVA light. And these neurochemicals uh, communicate to the gut, influencing, you know, via the, the vagus nerve, influencing what type of bacteria to produce. And um, a misconception that we have is that we think we only get beneficial bacteria from from food or, you know, soil or, you know, something like that. No, we also, the body synthesizes beneficial bacteria from sunlight as well. And the type of light that's present, depending on the season, the that light that hits your eyes stimulates the production of certain bacteria. Outside of the tropics, this varies throughout the year. So your gut microbiome should change throughout the year based on sunlight availability. This is this is literally the foundation of my ancestral diet and lifestyle plan. Also located on my my site, there's a tab at the uh, top of the site. You can go there. You can purchase a copy of the plan. If you do that, don't buy the Sunlight RX because I include um, an outline of that in this plan. Okay, so I'll save you a few bucks if you just you know, buy the plan and it's more comprehensive on all levels. But anyway, this connection between light, our gut microbiome, um, our, our ability to digest and assimilate certain foods throughout the year, this is at the foundation of the ancestral diet and lifestyle plan. So 
you know, we tend to focus solely on diet to heal and to get, uh, and, and we tend to get very preoccupied with the linear aspects of food, you know, the macronutrients. Do I have enough fat to carb ratio? Is my fat to, to protein ratio good? We, we count our ketones and we measure this and that and just, you know, forget it. This, this isn't food. It's not fun. It's not the way to eat. It's, a contrived formula that causes stress and long-term results never amount by going about our food choices in this way. Tryptophan is one of the neurochemicals that's activated in UVA light. So UVA light comes through your eyes, see it, boom, tryptophan's activated. And then what happens? Serotonin is produced. The main store of serotonin is in the gut. How does it get there? It gets there when your eyes come in contact with UVA light. Serotonin produces melatonin, the the uh, hormone that's in charge of all the healing in your body, but also lactobacillus and tryptophan, they interact with each other to create a healthy, pathogen-free GI tract. So, you know, we're told that we only get tryptophan through dietary protein. True, you do get it this way. But you also make tryptophan and activate tryptophan when you are in sunlight. There's a photo-induced tryptophan and there's a dietary tryptophan. The photo-induced tryptophan plays a major role on the health of your gut microbiome and the gut-brain axis. So, we go deep on this show. I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not lying. We go deep. This isn't just like eat some chia seeds and, you know, ground. This is like what's really going on here. We have to understand this if we, if we really want to make progress with our, our healing. The system, the world, it's set up for us to do things in an easy way, not to think, for just to be done for us. And it's like, you know, we have to really understand health, healing, what's going on so we can make more informed decisions. So when it comes to dairy and food sensitivities in general, number one, we have to start removing the root cause. We have to start chipping away at it. And, you know, number two, if you struggle with an estrogen dominance, then we have to start by changing, you know, just First and foremost, start changing the type of food you eat. Don't eat the, the feedlot crap. And this includes things like soy um, and farm-raised fish. Farm-raised fish are injected with dyes and they're injected with soy and, or excuse me, they're fed soy, they're in, injected with dyes. And um, sometimes they're injected with um, growth-enhancing elements. So these are not the foods we need to be eating or focusing on. You know, just because we're supposed to eat salmon doesn't mean go to the store and get salmon. You literally have to read, does it say wild caught? Does it say the origin? Where is that wild caught fish from? You know, we we have to put in an effort because um, they make it easy to make bad choices. <laughs> um, so... You know, number one, we have to start removing the root cause. Homeopathy, sunlight therapy, ancestral diets. Number two, when it comes to estrogen dominance, start changing the type of food that you you eat, okay? And um, 
start improving your sunlight environment. We can use therapies like homeopathy to start getting to the root of issues. And now really is especially a great time of year for people living in the Northern Hemisphere to use sunlight to support the gut microbiome and hormone production because UVB light is present. It's strong um, all in the Northern Hemisphere. So go outside, learn your Sunlight RX so you can turn that you know UV light into beneficial bacteria and, and healthy healthy hormones and healthy blood sugar levels. So, you know, today we just, we make our healing really complicated. We get too heady about it. And honestly, this is a situation where we need to do less and less, um, especially of things that don't really matter or don't really help. So we can, you know, it, it sounds cliche or whatever. So we can achieve more when it comes to our health. Um, but really, we need to do less and um, do, you know, more of the things that are really, really foundational to health. And let's say you're not into homeopathy, start with sunlight and start with the ancestral diet. Start with the ancestral diet and lifestyle program and you, that'll, that'll take you a long way. That'll take you a really long way. You know, the main thing is, is that we stop the band-aid approaches and we, uh, start clearing the root causes of our health issues. And now hopefully after this episode, you understand more of the root causes. They're, they're, you know, there's more clarity around that. So you understand why, you know, maybe the GAPS diet or the strict elimination diets haven't got you the progress that you're looking for with your health. And that some of these root causes, you know, maybe you resonated with it, like maybe you had a lot of antibiotics as a kid or you're fully vaccinated and you're you're got to complete train wreck, right? If we just start really simple and basic um and the simple and basic also have the most powerful and impactful effects, sunlight, diet, homeopathy, you'll be shocked at the improvements that you'll begin to notice. I have a couple exciting announcements that I want to take a few minutes to uh, uh, bring up with you guys. Number one is I just launched my Ancestral Diet and Lifestyle program. It's now up on my site. And this program teaches you how to use sunlight and an ancestral diet to support your health. And honestly, it's the only program that I know of at this time right now that combines light and diet as a path to optimal health and chronic disease prevention. So uh, I would invite you to go over to my site, heathershepard.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com, and check out the Ancestral Digestion Plan. You can learn more about it there. You can read through it. And um, if you are looking for support around chronic disease prevention or overcoming any nagging issues that you're struggling with, head on over there and and take a look at the program. I think it could really benefit you. And here's the thing. You don't have to wait around to get the program. You go on there, you're like, oh, yeah, this resonates with me. I think this will be a good fit for me in my healing. You go down to the bottom of the page. You purchase the program. It's in your inbox. And I'll mention this as well, that the program teaches you how to individuate your diet because we make this such a complicated issue. You individuate your diet based on the sunlight availability in your area based on the season. These are the most important 
um, ways to individuate a diet. And of course, there's some other factors, but I teach you that. I walk you through that in the Ancestral Diet and Lifestyle Program. So hop over to my site, heathershepherd.com, to grab uh, to grab your copy. Number two, super stoked. Just launched a homeopathic program. Um, I'm taking applications for fall 2022 enrollment. This is a classical homeopathy-based program. It's live classes. These are not pre-recorded classes teaching you how to use classical homeopathy to help the people in your life, whether that be family members, friends, clients, overcome root causes of their health struggles. So I'm keeping enrollment low for very, very uh, ideal and specific reasons that support uh, an ideal learning environment. And you can learn more about the program at studyclassicalhomeopathy.com. And as I mentioned, I am taking applications at this time. If you're interested in approaching your health struggles from a root place this 2022, then I invite you to join me for a classical homeopathy consultation. I'm currently accepting new clients, and to sign up, you can go to my site, heathershepherd.com, that's H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com, backslash healing. Scroll to the bottom of the page, and you can sign up for an initial consultation. Let's get you feeling better this 2022 from a root place.